0: You have been listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com.
1: Today, before I uh, bring the message, we have one of our uh, students who just graduated South Caldwell High School, uh, and he had the opportunity to share his testimony at their baccalaureate this year. Um, as I said earlier, I did not have the, the chance to uh, attend that and uh, uh, missed his testimony. So a little bit selfishly, uh, I asked him if he would please to give his testimony here. Uh, we had thought about it last week. It didn't seem to uh, work out. Uh, this week, though, it even maybe fits the message a little bit better uh, than it would have last week. And uh, it's not just for me. it's It's for you, especially... If you're a member of Day 3 Church, or if you're here as a guest, it might give you a picture of why we do things a little bit different uh, as you hear his testimony. So uh, I'm going to invite uh, Chase Hux, if Chase would come up and share with us, and if you would make him feel welcome as he comes.
0: Good morning. Uh like I said, the first service, uh, I was sitting in psychology class one day and, uh, a graduation project, uh girl walked in and she had a graduation project about, uh, drug addiction. And she was talking about it and I just slipped my hand up and told the class about how I'd, uh, been on drugs and straightened up my life and how the Lord had helped me out through that. And, uh. Ms. Johnson, my teacher, talked to Mr. Peak and I got to share my testimony at the baccalaureate, which I never thought I would in my life. I never thought I'd get that opportunity and it was amazing. And now I'm in front of y'all and I'm gonna give my testimony. Uh my freshman year, going in the South, I uh, didn't know much about drugs. I didn't look forward to doing anything, just high school make it the best days of your life, you know, uh, you only get this opportunity once in a lifetime. So uh, freshman year, took honor classes, had good grades, uh, pretty much stayed out of trouble, tried to be a class clown, but everybody does that sometimes. So Uh, going out of my freshman year, that summer, I started hanging out with the wrong group And uh, tried pot for the first time. And something that I thought was awesome, because everybody was doing it. And uh, didn't think it would be anything that would lead on to more things in general. And uh, started smoking it every day. Every day I wanted to get high with my friends and uh spend money and money on it and go to parties and that summer and do whatever. Didn't care what anybody said, anybody advised disrespectful to my family, my parents, my mom, coming in home late and just wasn't right. But I was too stubborn then. And uh sophomore year. I played football my freshman year and my sophomore year. And uh, sophomore summer, going into football, I quit football because I was too worried about getting high. So I didn't finish football. I didn't get to play my junior year with all my buddies, and it was a pretty bad thing. I was pretty upset about it, and uh, so I talked to my mom, and I I was still getting high and stuff, and I talked to my mom, and I I came up to my mom and I. Say, Mom. What am I going to do? I mean, I want to change, and I can feel the change in me. I know there's something on me. Like, He's working on me. And uh, we talked, and I talk, asked her all these questions. I was like, "Well, how do you get saved? I'm, I haven't been saved, Mom. Am I going to hell? All these like I was worried. I was just worried myself to death about it because I didn't want I didn't want to go down that road and keep going and going and uh end up being even worse for me and hurting people and uh so uh we talked and uh we talked to uh, uh my aunt kim and we were talking about getting, going to church and she mentioned day 3 and i hadn't been to church in a while and uh we came to church went a couple weeks I loved it, fell in love with the place. It was an amazing, just get the atmosphere around you and the people and the music and the preaching and, uh, never came up front, I was so nervous, so we talked to mom and, uh, we called Pastor Lynn and we talked to him and I told him I want to meet up with him and we came to the church and, uh in his office and I told him what I'd been through and how I wanted to get saved and all these mistakes that I had made. And we read the Bible and went over some verses and I got saved March eighth, two 2010. That day when I got saved... I walked out of that office, and I totally felt like he was in me, like this totally different person, like all this weight had been lifted off my shoulders, and uh, I quit smoking, quit doing that, quit hanging around the bad group, going to parties and stuff, now I had people come up to me in school and ask me, Chase, I I was like, tell them I got saved, and uh, they were like, What happened? And I was like, This is an amazing feeling. And I'd tell them what, told them my testimony, told them my life. And some of them would be like, How do you do that? How are you going to do that? Uh, just all these questions, and I'd answer them as best as I could. So uh, when I straightened up, I got back into football my senior year. I was determined to play. I never thought I'd play my senior year because I didn't think I was going to change. So uh, it was a blessing to be on the football team. I got to play with uh, a whole bunch of guys that I cared about and cared about me. And we ended up going to the playoffs. We've done the best. It was just a blessing just being with a team like that. And he, you get that opportunity because the Lord has helped you out and been in your heart and you've been saved. And you get that opportunity. It's a blessing. And uh, there's like so many blessings that's been. Ever since I've been saved, there's so many people I've met and so many opportunities and people I've talked to and just great things have happened and it's an awesome feeling. And after football, I uh, ended up playing tennis, something I always wanted to play, tennis. And I made straight A's for the first time in my life. And uh, I was pretty... Excited about that! I didn't know what to do. I pretty much cried when I saw my report card. <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" I, th- I didn't think that would happen. Uh, but it's just been a awesome experience. Just, ever since I've been saved, I got I had the opportunity to play uh, softball for day three. I, I've been talking to my mom ever since. Before I started, I knew that day three had a softball team, and I was like, "I want to play for that team." And uh, we end up, I ended up playing for that team, and there's so many amazing guys on that team to be around. Such a blessing. Because you have all these, uh, you have all these guys who just you feel your heart with like happiness and like just being around all that, and being in the church, and just makes you feel great. And uh, after that, uh, I met some people on the way. I played football, and uh, John uh, was a foreign exchange student. I remember seeing him on the football field. I know Rocky does. And uh, I saw him and got to know John real well. And it was a blessing because if you think about it, like, the change, if I'd ever been on that football t- that football field, what God done in my life to lead me up to that, I'd have never met John and all the great people that I have. And uh, John talked to me, and John had never, like, they didn't really uh, believe in God, or John didn't. And uh, I talked to John, and I've talked to him since football. He just recently left for New York, and then he recently, he just got saved before he left which is a blessing. And uh, it's awesome to be a part of that, because I think that should happen to everybody that gets saved Just go talk to people and lead them, like lead them to Christ, and uh, just talk to them and talk to them and do the best you can to lead people to their and tell them your story. Because everyone has a story. So been a blessing, and uh, it's been a blessing to be a part of this church, and to have all y'all, and uh, it's just been a something that the Lord has given me, and I'm so blessed, because like the song, "Dying He Saved Me, and uh, I'm thankful for that, and uh, I just want to thank all, all y'all for listening, and uh, just pray for me, and I know everybody has their ups and downs. Just got to stay strong because he's still in your heart, and he'll take care of you. So thank you.
1: Sounds like to me, based upon what... uh, what Jay shared with us, that uh, God did some major work in his life and in his heart. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're doing a series that's entitled, uh, Jesus Said It. And uh, our, our topic today, we're going to be in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. But our, uh, our topic today is, is this, Jesus said, get your heart right. Uh, that, that's the basic theme Of the verses that we'll look at today. So, having said that, uh, and and having heard about, you know, uh, some people's hearts being changed, before we even jump into the message, I'd I'd like to ask you to just evaluate yourself. Where is your heart? Uh, Where's your focus in life? what What are you What are you doing? in your life? Where are your passions? What, what are you really committed to? What, what's your purpose that you have in life? If you had to evaluate and, and make a list of your priorities, you know, where your focus, where your heart's at, what would you write on that list? What would you have to put down that that you're most involved with? Because a lot of people, I'm afraid, are primarily involved in chasing the American dream, uh, trying to just amass more stuff. And, and they feel like that's really what their, their life is about. A lot of people, where they find their satisfaction is chasing the next new toy, you know, whatever it is that, that they can obtain, and, and trying to find their fulfillment there until that gets old. And then you have to chase the next new toy or the next new fix or whatever the situation might be in in your life. I guess another way of, of communicating to you what we're going to be talking about is this, would be for you to ask yourself, to begin with, what is your treasure? And then after you answer that question, honestly, what is your treasure? Then secondly, to ask yourself, where is your treasure? And then a question that I probably think haunts a lot of us, would be this one, how secure is your treasure? Because you'll see in in these verses that, that Jesus is challenging us, I think, with these words to evaluate where our hearts are focused, where our treasure is, what it is that we're focused on. Look at these words that Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but rather instead of laying up treasures just on the earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. you'll probably hear me say this a few times in the message. But that is central to what Jesus is talking about. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be aligned. And then Jesus moves on from that to kind of talking about the stuff we're focused on, the stuff we're looking at. And he says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Jesus is challenging us here to look at at the material focus of our lives. And you may be wondering why Jesus is saying things like that. You can't serve God in money. I'll develop this a little bit later the message. Jesus isn't saying there's anything wrong with money, but it's how you look at money and how you use money. It's how you look at your possessions and how you use your possessions. Because that is a great indicator of the condition of our heart. And, and that's why Jesus is bringing This issue before us. He's challenging us to evaluate our hearts and make necessary adjustments. He's telling us to get our hearts right. So so with that as our main topic today, we're going to ask three main questions that hopefully can help you and I evaluate where our hearts really are. Here's question number one. Where is your heart focused? Where is your heart focused? What's First in your life. What, what do you spend your time with, your, your energies in? The, the precious God-given time that you've been given. Look at these verses again that, that we've already read. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. And once again, that central thought that kind of helps us understand what the main thing is that Jesus is dealing with here, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also he, He's challenging us to evaluate in our lives. You see there's this tendency, I think that we have as humans and, and even as Christians a lot of times, you know even right within the church, to where we try and separate our spiritual life in our material life, as though we can compartmentalize our life to a certain degree. And we think, you know, our spiritual life is over here. Maybe just when I'm in church on Sunday or I'm reading my Bible or I'm praying, that's my spiritual life. But then over here we've got this view, there's this material life that we live in the world as though those two things are separate. Nowhere does Jesus hint at that. Because our spiritual life, the relationship that we have with God through Christ, should affect our material life. This that we have in our relationship with God ought to be all-encompassing to where it's not like you have a, a life here and a life there. Our relationship with God ought to affect every aspect of our lives. See, so our problem is we get some attitudes like that maybe sometimes from From politicians, I'm not trying to shoot at politicians. I'm just telling you what I hear in the news a lot of times. You'll have a politician make some grave errors or mistakes in their life, and then uh, it will be communicated like this. Well, you know, that's his private life, or her private life, and it doesn't have anything to do with their public life, how they serve. I'm sorry, guys, that's a lie from the devil. Your private life spills over into your public life. Your, your private life reveals what your main focus is. So maybe that's why we've learned a lesson from watching other people like that. Well, yeah, I made a mistake here, but, you know, I'm still serving you over here. The way we do that in our spiritual lives, we try and divide out and make the two things separate. And Jesus doesn't allow room for that. Jesus wants to be number one in our lives. Jesus wants us to have our hearts correctly focused upon Him. We we can't live our lives like we've got, you know, like we're straddling a fence, like we've got one foot here in the world, and and that's part of our life that's really important, and we're not paying attention to what God says in this part of our life, and yet we're straddling the fence, and we've got one foot over here in heaven or the things of God, and we think we can balance that back and forth between the two. Jesus wants our relationship with Him to be so evasive, invasive in our lives, that it invades everything, that it affects everything about us. That's what he is telling us, I think, in this verse. He really brings two arenas before us where we can evaluate where our hearts are focused. Here's the first arena. Arena number one is treasures on earth. Treasures on earth. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, I'll set that in context a little bit, but just to be sure you get it right now. He's not saying that possessions are all wrong or that legitimate wealth is wrong. He's not saying that it's wrong to have treasures, but it is wrong for it to be your God. It is wrong to have the the wrong focus in that way. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on Earth, You see, regrettably, most people have their hearts focused upon this arena, their goals, their dreams, the focus of their lives, the way they spend their time, the way they use their finances, is all about them. It's about amassing more treasure in this world. It's about the material, which by the way, if you know the Bible, the material is temporal because one day it's all going to pass away. The material will not last, and yet we we type our lives in material, temporal things rather than spiritual in what can last for all eternity. And and this approach is so irrational in our lives to do so that, that Jesus really communicates clearly here how rational it is for us just to live our lives focused on treasures in this earth. First of all, it's irrational for this reason having your heart focused upon worldly treasure is irrational because such treasure does not last. Such treasure, treasure in this world, does not last. Jesus said where moth and rust destroy. All the things that we tie our energies up in, trying to obtain, they're not going to last forever. I don't know about your experience, but in my own personal experience, when I buy some new clothes that I like, Somehow, I'm going to find a way to mess them up. How about you? I mean, I'll forget this, you know, new shirt that I really like, that I didn't take time to pull it off before I, you know, decided to get up to the stove and start doing some cooking and grease and splattering all over the place and things like that. Or I'll find a way to get it hooked on, I don't know, a door handle or whatever and rip it or whatever. I'll find some way to mess it up. And even if you take really good care of it and you keep it clean, and you don't mess it up like I tend to do. You're going to wash it, you're going to wear it, and before long it starts to look worn, and before long it will wear out, it will not last. When you study the, the background to this, Jesus was saying this kind of to, to the Jewish people that were there listening to him on the Sermon on the Mount because a, little, a lot of their focus was tied up in, you know, things like fineries, like really nice silk garments and everything like that. And Jesus is saying those things don't last. Have you ever had it happen or not? You know, years ago, I think it used to happen more than it does now. Maybe our houses are more sealed or whatever. But I remember growing up in, in moss actually destroying the fabric. Even if it lasts good and you're taking care of it, in our culture that we live in today, It might be a perfectly good garment, but we become dissatisfied with it because we need the the last style that's out there, what we see somebody else wearing, what the gurus of style tell us we ought to be wearing. So then we put our energy in to go buying those things. And we get so focused, some people are so tied up in those things, and they need to understand that they will not last. You might find fulfillment for a moment But then guess what You need a new fix And a new fix And by the way If you're putting it all on credit cards And things like that That's where the fun really comes in Jesus said things rust The new car that you, you know, Think so much of Keep it long enough You know what's going to happen A it's going to rust We uh. Thought we wanted some patio furniture a few years ago just to go on the deck behind our house. And, you know, we kind of really thought we wanted, thought we'd use it a lot. We used it, you know, marginally, some to start with. And now it's out there, exposed in the weather, this thing that we really wanted so bad. And guess what started to happen to it? The paint's peeling off, it is rusting all over the place. We don't hardly ever use it. So that's what happens to things. That's why it's irrational. For us to just focus upon worldly treasure, because those things will not last. And what happens is this. The more that you have, the stuff that you think you own, guess what starts to happen? That stuff starts to own you. Because you have to maintain it and keep it up. And then add the financial part to it that I mentioned a moment ago to where you're buying it and buying it and buying it. Now you're having to pay for it. Now this stuff that you've amassed really starts to own you and really starts to drive your life. That's why it's completely irrational for us to focus our lives upon just gaining more stuff. Be honest with you, materialism will enslave our hearts. And then Jesus also says in this passage, materialism will enslave our minds. And materialism will enslave our our willpower, where our focus is. You know, what is the driving focus, the, the guide, the master of our lives? Having your heart focused upon worldly treasure is also irrational for this reason. Such treasure is insecure. Not only will it not last, you know, moth and rust and things like that, deterioration happens. It can disappear. Jesus said where thieves break in and steal. That's why I asked you earlier to evaluate what is your treasure, where's your treasure, and then ask yourself, you know, is it really secure? Because if we're tying up all of our life and the value of our life and who we are and just chasing after more stuff, we're focusing our life in an area that's really insecure because thieves can break in and steal. Treasures not only deteriorate, they disappear. Treasure in this world is insecure. Thieves love riches also. That's why they can break in your home and clear out everything that you have. And we can try and minimize that by putting alarms and stuff like that. A determined thief will find a way beyond the alarm and everything else to get in and steal stuff. And we live in a day and time, to be honest with you, they don't even have to break into your house. All a thief has to do is just get your identity and go online and ruin your credit while they steal money from you, taking out loans and stuff that you've never asked for, buying stuff that you're not even in favor of buying, but they bought it in your name. It's irrational for us to, to focus upon That type of treasure, living our lives just for the treasure of this world, because it will disappear. You cannot take worldly treasure with you. I've been in the ministry for 28 years. I don't know how many funerals I've done in that length of time. I have yet to see a hearse pull up to the cemetery and have a U-Haul behind it. Have you? It's not going with you. And I've read stories before about, you know, someone that's really, really wealthy wanting to be buried in their Mercedes or whatever the case is, their Cadillac or whatever it is. I'm sorry, it's not going to wind up there, there either one. All you've really done is by burying it with you is cause it to disappear all the faster. It will not last. That's why it is totally irrational for us to focus upon only worldly treasures. Now, let me put that in perspective a little bit, because I don't want someone to get the idea that I'm saying, well, you can't own anything, you shouldn't own anything. You know, Jesus is against you owning stuff. You have to sell everything you own and follow Him. Now, He may tell you to do that. He told the rich young ruler because he knew what was in his heart. But I'm not telling you that that's the message that Jesus has given. You see, you need to understand this. God created the basis for all wealth, right? He created the gold and the silver and the jewels and, and everything else. He gives us the energy and the ability to work and things like that. He's the one that created the ability and the chance and the creativity for us to earn wealth. Now, someone wanna argue that in my mind. I'm a preacher, I worked really hard and I've got a really creative mind. I come up with all these ways to earn money, and I'm a self made man. I'm sorry. I want to remind you of something. God lets your heart beat, He gives you the air that you breathe. You know, the food that you eat, he allowed you to have the creativity and the ability to work. It all belongs to him. He's not just outright saying it's wrong for you to own possessions. and You shouldn't have any treasure or anything you value in your home. Here's what he's saying. He's saying it's wrong for those things to be your God. He's saying it's wrong for wealth and amassing more wealth and amassing more stuff to be the driving Force in your life, to be the focus of your heart. That's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. If we only spend our time in earning money, in business, and on material possessions, and on the other hand, ignore and neglect God, then our hearts are not rightly focused where God desires our hearts to be. If we only use wealth for ourselves, And we don't ever use it for God's purposes to glorify Him or to help somebody else out. We are missing why God wants us to have wealth. If we're not careful, we'll allow wealth and possessions to be idols. That are replacing that place that God ought to have in our heart. Arena number one is this. We can have our hearts focused upon treasures and earth. Or... The second arena is this that Jesus brings before us. We can have our treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. He said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean? What does it mean to store up treasure in heaven? What in the world is he talking about? But Basically, the big picture of it, I think, is this. It's you and I viewing everything that we have being God's and being at His disposal. It's you and I understanding that He is to be most important. It's really a picture of you and I holding loosely the things that we can't keep anyway. The material things of this world that we hold them loosely instead of trying to cling to them. And on the other hand, we cling tightly to the things of God to the purposes that God has for our life. I think that gives us a, a picture of what it is. Our first loyalty should be the heavenly things that do not fade. So how do you do it? How can we lay up treasures in heaven? Well, there's several ways, several things we can do. Uh, one, I'm going to just throw this in out to start with so you'll quit worrying about it and, and everything, but one is to tithe and, and, to, and to bring Our our money to God. It's all His anyway. You understand? But as we tithe, and God takes that money and uses it to minister to somebody, to where somebody can come to Christ, and then somebody else can come to Christ, and somebody else can come to Christ, then we're investing in something that's eternal. You can do it by leading others to Christ. I told... Chase after his testimony. He's got a treasure in heaven right now because he was involved in John's life and got him in the position that another John, to spell the John differently, had the opportunity to lead him to Jesus. You can get treasures in heaven by reaching out and impacting somebody's life and leading them to Christ. We can can put treasure up in heaven... By our service to God. Now don't misunderstand me, you are not saved by good works, you're not saved by serving Him, you're saved only through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, and by your faith in Him, you admit that you're a sinner, you can't save yourself, that Jesus did everything when He died on the cross for you, you can do nothing to save yourself, and you trust in the finished work that Jesus did on the cross, that's how you're saved. But because Jesus paid everything for us, I think we ought to do some things for Him. And as we serve Him, I mean, you can do it right here by, by teaching Sunday school to kids, or VBS that's coming up, or being a greeter in the parking lot, or shaking somebody's hand at a door, or other capacities that you can be involved with right here every week. You can do things right here in this church that puts treasure in heaven for you. It really boils down to this. We need to live our lives for His purposes and not our own purposes if we want to be storing up treasure in heaven. That's that's how we can do it. And that's the way we ought to do it because the things that we store up in heaven are not susceptible to decay, destruction, or theft. Let me ask you a question. Treasures you have in heaven... Who's going to break into heaven and steal them? And the answer to that is absolutely nobody, because guess who's in charge? God. It will be there waiting for you one day. Anything you do for Jesus that has eternal value and lasts, it will be there waiting for you. No one can break into heaven and steal it. It cannot decay or corrupt there because the Bible says there can be no corruption in the presence of God. It will be there waiting for you. Anything that you do for Jesus will be there waiting for you one day. And here's what you'll do with it, by the way. You won't put a crown on your head that Jesus gives you and prance around and say, look at me. We'll cast it at his feet and glorify Him for what He's done. That's how you do it. Why is it important to do that? Why is it important for us to have our focus on heavenly treasures instead of earthly treasures? Because of what I've already said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we're only focused upon the things of this earth, material wealth, the things that we can own, the the money that we can make, if that's our whole focus in life, then that's where our heart is. But if on the other side of that issue, if we're focused on the things of heaven, if we are looking above instead of just all this stuff here, if we'll look above and stay focused on what God has done for us, the eternity that we have purchased for us through Jesus Christ, then through that our heart is there. Our heart is focused upon Him. And the more our heart is focused there, I just try and believe the more my heart and the more your heart is focused in that direction, the more we'll do for Him. And the less important all the stuff will be that we think is so important that we tie up our lives in chasing in this world. Jesus is basically telling us we need to get our hearts right because wherever our focus lies, whatever occupies our thoughts and our time, that's our treasure. Jesus warned that people's hearts tend to be wrapped around their treasures, and the problem is few people treasure God as we ought to. That's the problem that we have. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 tell us this. If then, you've been raised with Christ. In other words, you've received Christ as your Savior. You've admitted to Him that you're a sinner. You died with Him. You're crucified with Him on the cross. Also by faith in Him, you've been raised in Him. And you now have eternal life. If you've been raised with Christ, notice what we ought to do. Seek The things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I should be dead to this, and alive to Him, and that ought to be my focus in life. That's where my heart should be focused, in the arena of the heavenly things that God wants my life and your life to be focused in. So where is our heart focused? It can be focused on treasures here or treasures there. You'll have to evaluate where yours is. Second main question is this. Jesus just talked about our hearts. Now he's going to talk about our eyes. Where are your eyes focused? Look at what he says in these two verses. The eye is the lamp of the body. You, you've heard people say before, the eyes are the window of the soul. And it's through these eyes that we're taking in stuff. And we need to be careful because as we are taking in this stuff, the things that we're taking into our life affect where our heart is. It affects where our heart focus is centered. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy you have a spiritually healthy eye and you're, you're looking at the things of God, concerned with the things of God, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is spiritually unhealthy, if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, if we're looking and taking in the wrong stuff, making that our God, making that more important than our relationship with God, then it's putting darkness in our lives as opposed to putting God's light there. And then Jesus said, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? See, some people do this. Some people convince themselves so much because they want the things of the world, they convince themselves that the things that are dark are really light, really good. So they're taking it all in and and they're, they're making excuses, you know? Well, I understand the Bible says this, but I feel like this. Now, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's emotions here, your emotional status, or your feelings, but I'm just going to tell you the honest truth. And if you don't want to come or somebody's going to tell you the honest truth, I'm sorry. That's what I'm going to do here. The honest truth is this. It doesn't matter what your feelings say. It matters what God's Word says. Because your feelings can change the moment by moment, day to day, week to week. I've had people literally say before, Well, I understand the Bible says that, you know, I, I, I shouldn't divorce my wife or my husband. I understand that's what the Bible says, but I've prayed about it, and, and I feel like God has given me the, the approval, the okay, to go ahead and pursue a relationship with this other person. I'm sorry. You might have heard from somebody, but it wasn't God. Because God's not going to contradict what He says. And for us to try and justify things we want to do by saying, I know the Bible says that, but this is how I feel. I'm sorry. Your feelings are wrong if it goes against Scripture. I don't care how strong your emotions are. I don't care how you're feeling in the moment. Or how maybe even some tragedy might have affected you. If the way you're feeling goes against what the Bible has to say, you're wrong. Your feelings are wrong. That's why we can't reverse things and say, well, I know, you know, this is darkness, but I really like it, so I think I'm going to accept it like it's light into my life. And keep focused on the wrong stuff. What we look at affects the focus and the direction of our heart. What we're focused on, what we're taking in. Let, let me illustrate that with, a, uh, with kind of a, of a physical illustration. Uh, when, when, our, when our eyes are properly focused and we can see like we should, then you know we can see how to move, how to do things, and, and stuff like that. I had never experienced uh, any problems with that until over the last month or so, uh, because uh, along with my diagnosis of diabetes that uh, I received uh, it also will affect your vision. If your sugar is spiking or, or, or there's been any big variance between spiking or going lower, it, it affects your vision. Uh, I had always had pretty good vision. I anticipated not because my dad had glasses before my age. Uh, my mother had glasses before my age. And I just kind of anticipated that would be the case. But used to, I had twenty ten vision in a... So in other words, be careful what you do. I might see you. Okay. 2010 is a lot, you know, a lot more clear than than 2020. And then the diabetes hit. And over the last few weeks, except for the past two weeks, if you've been here, you've seen me pull out reading glasses. Because I could look at this sheet of paper and tell you it had print on it, but there's no way I'm going to read it as I can't, you know, reference my notes from time to time couldn't see it i could look over here in the distance and see it but things close up to me i just couldn't see it because my vision was so blurred now thank you for your prayers and you know the diet the doctor put me on and 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 things like that because my sugar stabilized and over the last week and a half or so i've been able to put the glasses away and i'm glad i hated having to do that i hated having to pull those out and, and and use them But that illustrates a a spiritual point. See, my eyes was affected by my health, physical health. Our spiritual lives will be affected by our spiritual eyes. By the stuff we're taking into our lives, it will affect what we, you know, if, if we're focused on material wealth and we think, man, that's what my life is about. Focused on the world instead of focused upon heavenly things and what God's will and purpose is for our lives then that will give me an unhealthy focus in my spiritual life because it will affect my heart. It will affect the direction of my life. And that's what Jesus is, is speaking to here. James 4.4 4 makes it really clear about us not being able to do both because he says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Pretty serious statement, huh? Last question is this. Our third main question is this. How is your heart mastered? How is your heart mastered? In other words, what's the master of your heart? What's Lord over your life? What's the master, the guiding force of the focus of Of your life because Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The the question there is this for us What are you, what am I allowing to be the master of my heart and the master of my life? Verse number 22 and 23, he was talking about our eyes, our spiritual focus. Now Jesus is telling us this. He's more or less saying you can't look in two directions at one time. Now I, I know some of you ladies want to argue with that or some of the teenagers or whatever want to argue with that because you think mama's got eyes in the back of her head, don't you? Now, what mama has is an extra sensitivity that God gives mamas, I think, that lets you think she's got eyes in the back of her head so she can keep up with you. But the reality is, if I'm looking that direction, someone can be coming up behind me right now and I have no idea what's taking place. I cannot stay focused in two directions at the same time. I cannot focus here and all the things of the world completely here and be focused upon God as I should be at the same time. It's an impossibility for us to completely focus in two directions. You and I cannot do that. Jesus clearly tells us we can't do that. We can't live our lives for selfish material gain and live our lives for God's purposes completely at the same time. And some verses to prove that are these. Next, next one. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money. Read that closely because I've already kind of dealt with that a moment ago when I sat in the perspective on wealth. Some people, you've heard people say money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The love of money is. Allowing your possessions your bank account, whatever it is, your possessions, allowing the treasures of this world to be what you're in love with. That's the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. We cause ourselves a lot of trouble when we start to love money and love possessions because we can't love God as we ought to at the same time as we're loving this stuff. The stuff He's given us is to empower us to be able to serve Him and reach other people, and change other people's lives. Later on in that same chapter, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. In other words, if God's blessed you with riches and wealth and possessions, don't you be prideful about it. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. You understand the wisdom in that? We're living in a time right now in our nation because of the economy and what's been taking place. Some of us have had houses for a few years and you thought you had a lot of equity built up. Guess what? <laughs> because of the certainty of the, the situation that's now in our nation, all of a sudden you may be upside down in your house. I mean, none of that's certain. The stocks and things that you want to put your faith in can nosedive from one day to the next. And it just you know, and it disappears. And people say, "Well, it'll come back." I yeah, I understand that. Maybe it will come back. My problem is, I didn't need to lose it to start with. Now it has to come back just to get to where I was. I mean, we've got this physical irresponsibility in in, in our in our nation, and and people are wondering why maybe people are having the kind of problems in their families and individual lives financially. It may be that we have a government that has set the wrong example for us because they've been physically irresponsible. But I'm, I'm just telling you, you can't bank on your bank account. You can't bank on all the things that you think are so significant in the treasure of this world because of what's said there, the uncertainty of riches. Those things can flee. But a relationship with God is eternal and always lasts. That's why we need to have our hearts focused right. He richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, and he's talking about believers, to be rich in good works and be generous and ready to share. It's not desire to be rich because you can fall in temptation I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't mind being rich sometime in my life. <laughs> you think, I can't believe he said that. You be honest. You would too, right? You know why I think I would like to be? I've heard my wife say this several times over our marriage, and I fully expected by now she would have won, uh, you know, Publishers Clearing House or something like that. Because she'd like for us to have money so we could give it away to other people and them not even know where it came from and maybe god will bless us someday to be able to do that but that's the focus that we need to have not at all being about us hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 tells us this keep your life free from the love of money be content with what you have See, we're at different levels, I understand. You know, believers that are here, there's probably some here that are doing very, very well financially. And some that are struggling maybe just to pay your bills and put food on the table and things like that. So how in the world can we just be content with what we have? Here's why. Our focus has to be correct. Whether you're rich or whether you're poor, your focus needs to be upon what God has done for you. And God promises here, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when you read that in the Greek, it literally says this, I will never, no, never, ever, ever leave you. I will never, ever, no, never, ever forsake you. Because the tense in the Greek makes it really strong. He promises us He will never leave us if you have a relationship with Christ. Riches can go, possessions can go, your relationship with God is what lasts forever. That's why we need to have our focus right. That's why we need to have our heart right. That's why we need to be sure our heart is being mastered by God in our relationship with Him. Because we cannot serve God in money. You have divided affections. A way to maybe picture that for you is this. It's like, I kind of alluded to it a moment ago, but, but it's like someone who is married carrying on an adulterous affair. Because by doing so, they will be more devoted to one than they are to the other. And they'll love one more than the other and start to despise the other. You see, our problem is when we allow our possessions and our wealth to become our God, to be put in that place, what you and I have done is commit spiritual adultery. Because we need to love God and be focused upon Him and not All of these things that the world tells us are so important. God needs to be our Lord, not money or possessions. You want to know why? You don't have a single possession that died for you. You don't have a single thin dime or penny or $100 bill or whatever it is you have. You don't have any money that died for you. Jesus died for you. And that's why that's where our heart needs to be focused. So where's your heart? Where is it today? I'm going to ask you as I pray in just a moment, for you to really open up and just invite the Holy Spirit to look around in there and ask you some serious questions. Where's your heart focused? Where is your heart? What are you focused upon in this life? Who's your master? See, the key really to this whole section is found later on in this chapter When Jesus said this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See that's where our priorities have to be. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Don't be worrying about what you're going to eat. What you're going to wear. Where that's going to come from. Put things in the right perspective. Put things in the right priority. Put God and his kingdom first. And have that relationship with him. He'll take care of the rest. That's not health and wealth. I'm not telling you if you put God first, you're going to be rich. But I'm telling you if you put God first, He's going to be so important, you won't really care whether you're rich or not. Because your heart is rightly focused on Him. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray right now you help all of us, myself included, all of us to... To evaluate, to be transparent, to open up our lives before you. And, and and Lord, I pray that by your by your spirit right now, you'll just invade our lives and that you'll ask serious questions about where our hearts are focused. God, I pray you'll challenge us to what we're looking at with our eyes and making so important that it that it becomes darkness in our lives. And God, we're even exchanging the 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 criteria of what's good and what's bad. Father, I pray you challenge each of us right now to ask ourselves who we are allowing or what we are allowing to master our life. God, we thank you that you loved us, that you sent your son. We thank you that, that you're in charge, that you can care for our lives. God, help us to put you first. Help us to get our hearts right as Jesus challenges us to here. And put you first and allow you to be our focus. God, what you bless us with, help us to understand it's all yours. And God, take it and use it in a way to build your kingdom. Father, if there's someone here that does not know Christ as Savior, God, please speak to them right now. Help them see and experience in their lives, even as we heard in in Chase's testimony, that their life can be changed. God, if there's someone here right now that's so guilty or or so in bondage to, to their choices in life and where they are in their life, and they, and they feel like there's no way they can rise above it, that they've just gone too far in their life, God, re- remind them right now through this testimony that we heard from Chase that you can come to them, and you can speak to their life, and you can radically change their life. God, I pray for Chase, I pray for all of us, that you'll put people in our paths that we can lead to you that we'll put serving you and honoring you as a primary focus of our lives. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Nicole leads us in song, I want to ask you to, to stand. And if God speaks to your heart, maybe you're someone here that, that had wondered how your life can change. And, and you need to receive Christ as Savior. And you've got questions about that. I, I invite you to come and we'll take time to share with you at the end of the service. But as a believer, honestly, where is your heart focused? What is the priority of your life? And if you need to get some of that straightened out, why not during this time let God speak to your heart? Maybe you need to come and just kneel here at the front as someone that already knows Christ as a believer and say, God, forgive me for having the wrong focus. Help me to stay focused in the direction that you want me to be. Help me to put you first. We invite you to come as God speaks to your heart as the songs play.
0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day Three Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at And for more information, find us on the web at daythreechurch.com.